Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji DeMello, Kendall Roden, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Welcome back to the Azure Podcast. Today is the 5th of May of 2022, and this is episode 423, where we will be talking about Redis Cache on Azure. On Teams with me, I have Suji, Kale, myself, Cynthia, and our very special guest, Kyle T. Garden. Before we get into our topic for the day, as usual, we have a number of different updates that we want to share. Um, Sujit, do you want to start first? Absolutely. And uh, happy Cinco de Mayo to everybody. So a couple of updates on AKS I wanted to announce. First is when an AKS node is deallocated now with this new update, the attached storage will not be lost so that when the node has to scale up, when you have to scale up the cluster and it has to add a new node, it simply takes one of those deallocated nodes and kind of wakes it up again. You know, So the, the whole wake up uh, sequence is a lot faster now as you scale up. And so they call this the scale down mode in AKS, but really what it means is that when the nodes are scaled down and deallocated, the attached storage is still kept alive. And so that when it comes back on, uh, you can get there pretty quickly. And that's now generally available. So that's uh, a nice feature. I know we're planning to use that in one of our customer applications. Uh, and the other one is uh, related to the, uh, let's see, the node pool snapshot feature in AKS. And this is where you know, you, you've deployed a node pool and you want to take like all the configuration from that node pool and save it in case you want to apply it to another node pool uh, at some other point in time. So this way you can take that snapshot and then you can use that as a template almost to create new node pools. Uh, so this is another feature that's built into AKS now. And then the third is uh, re- related to static web apps. Uh, as you know, static web apps typically uh, would uh, use uh, GitHub as a source for the application uh, code. And now they've enhanced that to support GitLab and Bitbucket as well for the CI CD. So you can have that rapid uh, deployment of uh, static apps, uh, static web apps, uh, the SPA style applications, uh, even if you use Bitbucket or GitLab. Kale, what do you have? I just have one today. It's about uh, Azure Bastion. Um, I think we talked about this in the podcast a couple times, maybe. Um, and this was just a call out to the uh, customization that you can do uh, with Azure Bastion that's kind of evolved over time. I use this quite a bit myself, actually. So the native client feature. Um, so for those who don't know, Bastion's like a jump box as a service and essentially allows you to have like private, let's say you have a virtual machine, you can essentially uh, stand up one of these Bastion hosts, which is like a pass service, and then it allows you to RDP or SSH into that box. Um, the the interesting thing is the native client support, because like if you just do the default thing and use it through a browser, I don't know, for me, it's a little off-putting because it's in a browser and it feels a little like not responsive. Um, so if I use my native client, like if I have SSH or even RDP on my box, it's much faster if you use the native feature. And the cool thing is you can use Azure AD based authentication, 
when you do that. So it's really like pretty straightforward. You just enable this native flag and then essentially um, you'll go to your PowerShell command line or whatnot and essentially do an AZ login. And, and basically there's like two commands to, to log in. It's super cool. Uh, I use it like daily. Um, I think it's pretty awesome. There's also support for uh, tunnels if you want to do tunneling, which is a much more uh, robust way to kind of connect to a bunch of machines. And then also there's file upload and downloads now that's available through the client. But uh, the Bastion host is something for us all to be doing so that we can keep things secure in the cloud. Awesome. And I have one around uh, our Azure Web Application Firewall as a lot of as probably know, there's the global WAF that is attached to Azure Front Door and the regional WAF that is attached to Azure App Gateway. And a lot of improvements has come out in in the field of improving security posture where there are new rule sets that correspond to both Front Door and App Gateway. There's also a anomaly scoring now to help reduce false positive the size limits for the rule sets have also increased and there is now better integration between these Azure WAF offerings with API management, which are two services that are used together very often. And you're also able to have bot protection and in improvement in performance in scale and just a richer experience overall. So definitely take a look on the post for some more details. And now turning it over to Kyle. Kyle, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us what you do at Microsoft? Sure, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. My name is Kyle Teagarden. I am a senior product manager here at Microsoft on the, the dev div, so developer division. And my focus is the service Azure Cache for Redis. So, uh, you know, I think Azure uh, Cache for Redis or Redis Cache, I don't know, it, it was gone under different names in the past, uh, has been around for quite a while, I believe, in Azure, right? This is not uh, a new service, uh, but I believe it's probably reached a fairly good level of maturity by now. Can you just give us a little bit of history around uh, around Redis and how it came, came to reside in Azure? Yeah, sure thing. It's... Uh... It's interesting. Redis is a, a fairly new technology uh, as the way things go. I think it's an open source project that was kicked off in 2010. And it came to Azure in 2014. As uh, At that point, it was called Azure Redis Cache, I believe. So the name has been a little confusing. We've switched around. And there actually was a couple cache offerings on Azure before Azure Cache for Redis. I think it was called Enroll Cache and Manage Cache, maybe. And what the thing that happened was that um, Redis, just as a as an open source project, has become so popular that it kind of is the dominant cache service now. Uh, and there's a few others that are that are good too, but Redis is is clearly the favorite. And so, uh, back in 2014, we decided to really focus on Redis, and we've been here ever since. What uh, like for our listeners who may be new to Redis, uh, Redis cache in general, and especially with caching as it relates to an Azure application, you know, how, how should one think about Redis cache in terms of use cases? Let's, let's maybe start with that, and then we'll flow into you know, how the Azure components add specific value. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe I give a little background. What is Redis? Why would one use it? Uh, kind of the, the bread and butter questions. So the way I like to describe Redis is think of it as a really fast database. 
And the the key caveat is that you get much better speed, latency, throughput performance, but you sacrifice some durability from a primary database like Azure SQL or Azure Postgres. Uh, and so the thing that really distinguished Redis, there's a couple things. So one is that it is built on an open source project, just like Azure Database for MySQL is built on MySQL. Azure Cache Redis is built on Redis. And so there's a really rich community of people that have worked very hard to build this awesome product. Um, and it's super popular in, in the developer space. I think Stack Overflow has you know their survey and they ask for the most loved databases every year. And I think Redis has been the number one for the last five years straight. So it's a popular and growing database in the community. Um, and then what makes it different is a couple of things. So, so one is that it runs entirely in memory, which means it's, it's very quick. But it also means that if power goes out, your data is gone, uh, unless you you use persistence or a few other things that are designed to to keep it safe. Um, so you get speed, but you lose a little bit of durability. Uh, and then it's it's a NoSQL style, you know, key value data store, and so that makes it really easy to scale. And it's it's pretty trivial to shard data into multiple shards and and scale out in that way. Uh, and it's really easy and straightforward to use. You know, key value is a pretty intuitive way to, to store data. And then there's a number of different data structures built on top of it that are also really convenient to use as well. Uh, so it's it's fast, it's powerful, uh, it's developer friendly, and uh, it's been growing a lot in popularity, uh, especially in the last four or five years. Now, one thing like with Redis, uh, maybe just the, the actual component of Redis, when I think about like development we've done years ago, like we had in memory, you know, data caches, right? Even in .NET Framework and things like that that we used. And basically same thing, if the application would uh, restart or something like that, then it's in memory, so the stuff's gone. So you talked about like durability. What is the, is there a persistent story with Redis? Meaning like I can do stuff where like, hey, I, I write stuff into Redis and it actually ends up in a, an actual database like SQL Server or Oracle or something like that. Or do I have to still do that myself, right? Is Redis just a cache? Yeah, there's, so there's a couple different stories behind it. So I think one is looking at it from just a pure product perspective. What are the durability options? And then two would be looking at it from application perspective of how do you use Redis with databases or, or durable stores? And so on a, a product side, a lot of work's been done to make it more durable. So uh, on Azure, um, you know, we have three tiers, but two of them come with by default with a, a replica node, where basically data is automatically replicated between the primary and then the replica as kind of a backup. So if the first goes down for uh, you know, either something unexpected or an expected event like patching, we fail you over automatically to the replica, which has all your data ready to go. Uh, so that's you know, one way to kind of limit any sort of downtime. And then there is a persistence story as well within Redis. There, there's two types of persistence, RDB and AOF. Uh, RDB, think of it as just kind of like a snapshot backup every uh, X period of seconds or minutes. Uh, so if it goes down, you can just kind of load it back from disk. AOF is an append-only file, uh, so that's uh, you know, a little more precise. Basically, you can make it a certain number of transactions or every transaction you append this file. Uh, and so then you can play that back and, and reconstitute the cache if it happens to go down. So the story's gotten a lot better there. Um, you know, maybe not like full ACID compliant database level, but but similar. Uh, and then in terms of an application, the you often see Redis used in front of a, a more durable database. So the most common application pattern is what we call a cache aside or side cache pattern, 
where basically you're storing a subset of the data in the database on the cache. And if you request that data, you first check the cache uh, because it's going to be faster and, and ultimately cheaper. And so, uh, you know, if the data is in the cache, then fantastic. You get that right away. And if the data is not in the cache, you're no worse off than you would have been otherwise. And then you just query the database. Uh, and then typically you lazy load the cache uh, each time a query hits the database. So, you know, usually your most uh, actively requested data finds its way in the cache uh, so to make it more effective. A follow-up question to that. So, like, on those patterns, like, from a developer's perspective, maybe you have some insights. Like, is this typic is Redis typically used, like, this kind of service for read-heavy applications versus write? Like, could I just write my data directly to a database, and then all my reads come through Redis, so it's, like, ridiculously fast after it lazy loads? Yeah, I think that's the most common. I mean, it's the it's really good for reads, right, because there's less concerns about data consistency. With writes, there is a caching pattern called write through, where basically you write to the cache first, and then uh, you have an application that is going to write from the cache to the database to make that consistent. But what you described, Kale, is is like the like I said, the bread and butter of caching is read heavy workloads. You have a database as kind of your source of truth, and then a cache layer in between that's going to be faster and, and give users a better experience. Kyle, you talked about durability and. A lot of our enterprise customers will probably have multiple replicas or zone redundant uh, SQL databases or their persistent data store. Mm -hmm. How does that work when you're also trying to use uh, Azure Cache for Redis? Info? Yeah, you got it right. It's quite a mouthful, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I've gotten better and better at, at uh, saying that in, in one breath uh, rather than taking multiple. Um, yeah, so right, the the consistency and durability story is a pretty interesting one. Um, I think there's there's kind of two ways to approach it. So one is just treating any data in the cache as we're okay losing that data. You know, it's it's a value add. Uh, you know, if we can have a cache layer in between to make faster, then great. If not, we still have the database. The database is going to be super durable. There's kind of an emerging approach though of treating the cache more like a primary database where um, it itself can be quite durable and part of a, you know, a central or, or use businessy jargon mission critical applications. And uh, part of that comes from some of the work that we've done recently to, to give more options like zone redundancy. And so now you, you can run um, an Azure Cache Redis instance in three zones uh, with three replicas. Uh, and that makes it, and, and with uh, with persistence as well, right? So that makes it a lot more more durable and, and available. Uh, and then we have this this cool new offering uh, called our enterprise tiers, and that has a feature called active active or active geo replication, uh, and that's really cool too because you have a a multi write configuration. You can attach basically five uh, caches in five different regions. Uh, in such a way that they can write in active active configuration where writes to one cache, writes to the other cache, and vice versa. Uh, and that's super available. You know, we offer up to five nines uh, SLA in, in that situation. Uh, and that, I believe, is the second highest availability on Azure after DNS, which has a 100% SLA. So we're not meeting that. So Kyle, when you mentioned that uh, these advancements in like durability and people even treating Redis or this offering as like the actual database as opposed to, you know, the other model that we talked about, what about security? Uh, because there's a lot of like advanced features in databases for like security, like encryption and all kinds of things. What's the story with that with Redis? Yeah. 
So I think security is a is a developing uh, story with Redis, and and maybe one reason why you you maybe wouldn't want to use it as a primary database, which is not to say that it's bad, but when Redis was first developed, uh, it wasn't really designed to be a service that stood alone connected to the internet and was and was secure, right? So if you like spin up a, a VM and install Redis by default, it doesn't even have a password. And in some ways, I think it was kind of, it was kind of built to be running. Uh, as part of a monolith or, or like on a VM that was secure, and it's just a component that could be accessed by an app on that VM. Uh, and that's totally fine. Like it makes it easy to use and get started. Um, but there has been a lot of work done to harden that and make that a little more secure. And that is one of the advantages of using it as a managed service versus uh, self-hosting it. Uh, and so uh, we have done a fair amount of work to um, to add network isolation features. So it, you know we recommend using private links now, which is I would think probably the most secure way to use it. Um, you know, we provide two keys that are are hard. You know, access keys that are 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 difficult keys, not just password one two three. We require them by default now, uh, and uh, we're we're doing more and more work moving towards managed identity as opposed to just using a, a connection string or password. Uh, and so uh, we released a feature in preview a couple of months ago to connect to storage accounts for persistence using managed entity and. Uh, you know, I won't reveal our upcoming roadmap too much, but uh, that's something that we're we're moving towards more and more uh, to boost the security. So, uh, assuming I'm a developer now and I've you know bought it to the uh, Redis Cache uh, framework, uh, maybe it's written in .NET or Python, and I now want to host it on Azure, right? What changes do I have to make as an app developer to, to let's say, point to this uh, now cloud-hosted uh, version of Redis? Yeah, well, in theory you shouldn't have to do many changes at all. Uh, and that's because you're, notice I say theory, I see Cynthia laughing. Uh, I think we all know theory and practice, in theory are the same, in practice they're not. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is built on, on open source Redis, right? And so the experience to, from a client's perspective should be the same, whether it's on Azure or you're hosting yourself or it's on-prem. And so, you know, it's all, all completely compatible. So, uh, you know, if you had an application that was that was running and connecting over the internet to uh, a server running Redis, you should be able to just to switch the connection over from that IP to your IP running on Azure, and it, it should be all be good. Um, you know, there there might be a few differences. Um, talking about security, right? We we support options that are are open on the internet, but we also support network isolation and encryption over TLS and a few other things that. If you wanted to make it a little more secure and an enterprise grade, you could do that. But otherwise, like you can use any uh, Redis client and connect to Azure Cache Redis like you would any other Redis instance. Kind of going back to our geo-replication question, what if I'm seeing slightly different traffic across all the different geos and what gets read a lot are different? Then how do I have different instances of the Redis cache then, or how does that work then? Yeah, so it depends how you set it up. So so to be clear, we have two types of geo-replication. Uh, on our premium tier, we call it passive geo-replication, and that's meant kind of more, more for disaster recovery. Like you have a replica node that's just stored on a different region. So if one region goes down, your data is safe on the other region. And then our it's, this is a, a much newer feature called active geo-replication on our enterprise tiers. Uh, in that case, every region is a clone of the other regions. And so if you have an instance in East U.S. and West U.S. and Southeast Asia, 
And the Southeast Asia instance is getting a bunch of traffic on keys that are not being used at all on the uh, the West U.S. and East U.S. instances. And maybe you have an eviction policy or, or some sort of time to live kind of thing going on, then that will be copied across all of your caches. Um, so, you know, if, if data is super different on them, then that potentially could pose an issue. Uh, but in general, it's really nice to have it because you don't have to worry about consistency between caches and it is has strong eventual consistency. And so, uh, you know, it's a great way to get local latency plus higher availability plus kind of built in disaster recovery too, all in one package um, by spreading it across regions. Awesome. So, Cal, the other thing I was wondering about was like um, these things, uh, there's a cost associated with you know running these services, right, from a customer's perspective. How do I like monitor that, right? So, for instance, if I fired up a website and I don't know it's going to be successful, it turns out it's really successful. And now, uh, like, you know, I need to monitor that and know whether I should build bigger caches, um, like what's my cache hit ratio, all that kind of stuff. Is mm -hmm. that anything that Azure's doing, like in our offering, that makes that easier for customers or how do they consume and monitor that? Like, Yeah. So and that's another perk of using a managed offering is that we have bunch of metrics tracking all that. And the big three are, uh, it's basically CPU usage, but it's actually called server load in our case because Redis is single threaded. And so it's really the usage of that thread, you know, what percent um, load is being used there. Uh, so, so basically a CPU constraint is number one. Number two, memory constraint, are you using the full cache or not? Uh, and then three is just network bandwidth. And so if you're maxing out one of those three, you know, we have metrics on all of those and, and, and of course, more. Uh, and you can set alerts on those type of things and, and, and monitor it that way. Uh, and then kind of the, the go-to way to deal with that is to scale out. Uh, you can scale up too, but scaling out for Redis is, is kind of the recommended first step. Uh, and then it, it should scale linearly, basically. So, um, you know, having two instances should give you basically 2x the throughput, uh, 2x the network bandwidth. Um, you know, it, it's a pretty cool way to handle it. I remember when I was uh, working on a Redis app, uh, an app that used Redis a while ago, there was a feature on Redis, I think it was called PubSub, uh, one of the, uh, it's like a different feature. You talked a lot about caching. I guess the question is more broad. Uh, if we switch to the Azure version, is are there any limitations to what we can and cannot do with the, with the Redis ecosystem? No, and I'm glad you brought up uh, PubSub. And there's also a new feature uh, as of Redis 6 called Redis Streams which is uh, PubSub's cool, also super straightforward and, and simple to use. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, with PubSub, it's, you kind of throw the message out there, and if it's not received, then the message is gone. Streams adds, it's more kind of like Kafka in some ways, where uh, you have this message queue, and it's more of a message broker and some useful stuff there. Uh, and I'm glad you brought it up, because I think when people hear Redis, they think cache first. And sometimes you see it used as a session store. I mean, I guess it's in the title, right? Azure Cache for Redis. So we're not doing ourselves any favors there. But Redis has a ton of cool data types that people maybe aren't aware of. PubSub and Streams are, are some uh, that are, are pretty powerful and useful in a messaging kind of format. Um, so, you know, I think the really cool thing about it is that you can do it all in the cache that you already have. Uh, so instead of making a separate service, uh, you can just use streams or, or PubSub to kind of handle communication between services or um, even just streaming of data can be a good way to organize that data. 
Uh, and so, yeah, people that use that tend to be surprised. Like, oh, I didn't realize Redis could do this. This is this is great, and I I'm already have the you know I'm already paying for Redis. I might as well use this functionality too. Uh, and then there's a couple other things that are built into Redis as well, right? All all part of of open source Redis. Um, so things like leaderboards, for instance, Redis has a data type called sorted sets that is is really intuitive in terms of making a leaderboard where. Uh, it'll sort uh, rankings for you. You know, you have a key and a value, and as value changes, it sorts the order automatically. So a lot of gaming companies use Redis for leaderboards. Uh, it's used for rate limiting of applications. Um, there is a, a data type called hyperlog logs, which is one of my favorites because the name is kind of funny, but it's this tremendously interesting way of uh, storing data in an, in an incredibly memory efficient format. And, uh, so anyway, there, there's all sorts of kind of cool things hidden in Redis that are worth pursuing as well. Just to follow on the the what Sajit was talking about, like as far as like the any feature difference between like regular Redis and and Azure Cache for Redis, is there what's the situation on like a specific version? So for instance, if I build my application and use Redis today, that Azure Cache for Redis, let's call it, um, and I'm using specific features in Redis to do something. Let's say that gets deprecated. Maybe that's never happened. I don't know. Uh, but like deprecator feature change happens there that could break me. Uh, is it it's set up in a way that I don't get broken or I get notified or how does that work? Yeah. So uh, it really goes on the Redis version. So, you know, we adopt the open source Redis there. I mean, the rule of thumb is that all the features are the same. There's occasionally a few things that are different. So there are some features that we block just because kind of cloud reasons um, there's, we're currently on Redis 6, so we, we, you can either use Redis 4, which is, uh, kind of a generation ago or Redis 6. The, in the community, the, the most recent version is Redis 7. And so, you know, we will start work uh, shortly on, on getting Redis 7 support. You know, that'll take a while to kind of validate and to, to load everything up. Um, but our plan is always to, to have mapped the latest Redis versions. The, for Redis 6 right now, uh, maybe I'll answer the question in two way. One is, is anything missing? Two is, is it backwards compatible? So to the first question of, of anything being missing, on Redis 6, the main thing that is missing right now is there's support for access control lists in Redis 6, uh, which is a really cool feature and something that we are are planning on supporting. Um, I won't go into too much detail of our plans there, but we have a really cool plan for it, um, including some other uh, useful things for for enterprises as well. Um, so, you know, that is coming. And then there are a few other things like uh, Redis 6 supports TLS natively in Redis for, I believe, the first time. We already supported that, though, before. Um, so, you know, that we kind of have a, another implementation of it that, that was already in there. Uh, so there's sometimes there's a few small differences, but by and large, it's, it's basically exactly the same. Uh, and then backwards compatibility wise, the each version is is meant to be backwards compatible with each other. And Redis, I know, works really hard to make sure that it's very backwards compatible. So jumping from version four to version six, there maybe are a few corner cases where it might break an app or two. Uh, and those tend to be from really small things, right? Like they change the, 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 you know, what a function returns from zero to null. And if you were relying on getting that zero, then, then maybe something breaks. Um, the other thing to mention too is that the backup files are backwards compatible in one direction, but not the other. So if I save a backup in Redis 6, I cannot open that in Redis 4. 
but a backup in Redis 4 and further on back can be open in Redis 6. So the backwards compatibility story is, is pretty good. And our, our plan moving forward is basically to offer the current version and then a version behind. Uh, and then, you know, we, we follow Microsoft practices and giving people plenty of notice if one of the older versions is being retired. Ty, I think you alluded to this a little bit already. What are some upcoming features or changes that you are able to share with us right now? I know Build is coming up, so um, there's yeah. probably going to be a lot that is put to announce at the end of the month. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I can't I can't spill any beans too much. Uh, I think I, I will say we are really excited about the future of Azure Cache for Redis. We think it's a, it's a great product. Um, you know, there's there's ways to make it even better, uh, which is a fun place to be as a PM. Certainly, the I think our our main focuses are one we have gotten feedback from customers that when uh, a patching event or an update event occurs, it only causes a few seconds of uh, not really an outage, but can't connect to the cache for a few seconds as we switch from the primary to the secondary, uh, which on paper is not a big deal. But the feedback we've gotten is that it can be a big deal. You know, if, as these become more and more a critical part of infrastructure, it becomes more and more critical that there aren't a few second drops here and there uh, just as part of normal Redis behavior. And so we've put a lot of work into making sure that we only patch and reboot a cache if we really need to. And so our team's put a bunch of time in the last couple of months to make sure, you know, what are the situations where we can patch and we don't need to reboot uh, so that there is no connection outage. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we should see a pretty dramatic decrease in those events moving forward as we roll out some, some kind of nifty uh, improvements to how we do that. Uh, I think two is, as I alluded to earlier, we're, we're looking, always looking for ways to make Redis even more hardened and secure up and beyond of what open source Redis can do. And so looking more at using managed identity rather than using password strings uh, is something that we're moving towards. Uh, so so look for that in, uh, in the next few months. Uh, you know, won't get into too many details there. And then I think third is we have this enterprise offering. It's really unique that we have built in collaboration with Redis Inc., which is kind of the, the company that maintains open source Redis and, and they have an offering called Redis Enterprise that has additional bells and whistles. And so we announced uh, this these tiers that we've built with them uh, about a year and a half ago and, and we're continuing to build those out, add new features uh, and add some of the, the features that are, are just nice quality of life features that are good to have that we haven't had a chance to, to add to those yet. Uh, so I think kind of those three areas we see as uh, in the immediate future, the main places we're we're putting work into. Thanks for sharing. Any other questions for Kyle? No, Kyle. Thanks for giving us a nice uh, roundup on the latest in the Azure Cache for Redis feature. And looking forward to all the announcements. Uh, I, I do like the Enterprise queue, by the way. I was one of the early pilot uh, users of it, and it is it is it is amazing. So looking forward to it. Awesome. Thank you. Well, I really appreciate y'all having me on, and. Uh, if nothing else, I hope that uh, you've learned to say Azure Cache for Redis uh, all together in one mouthful. So <laughs> appreciate the uh, the effort there. I, I know it's a lot. Sure. Thanks for coming on, Kyle. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. 
We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.